Hey guys, welcome back to the Commission Impossible podcast. How about that, Ryan? I got the, the name of the podcast right this time. You nailed it. That's pretty important. <laughs> I'm, of course, here with Ryan McDowell. Last week, I said Commissioner Impossible within the first 10 seconds of the show, and people did notice. We, we, man, we had a lot, of, a lot of listeners and a lot of support for that first episode. I, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah, very excited. I, when you start something new like this, you're, you're always excited, and you just hope other people join you in that, and uh, that's, what we, that's what we saw with that first episode. So, we are glad to be back for episode number two and talking about some new topics that dynasty commissioners might be facing right now. Right, right, exactly. And uh, as Ryan kind of alluded to there, we're going to be talking about the start of the off season. Now that the season's done, what do commissioners need to do first? What are you doing right now in your leagues? Well, I think, you know, the, the payouts are the number one, uh, you know, the number one task to take care of as soon as leagues wrap up. And for most of those, that's week 16. So you want to get people their winnings as, as quickly as possible and in a, in a timely manner. If you only have one or two leagues, that should be a really quick and simple process. If you have five or six, or if you have 40 like I do, it takes a little bit more time. And that's that's kind of what, what we asked for with this. So yeah, um, we signed I, up for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually spent, I don't know, I probably spent seven or eight hours on payout stuff yesterday. Um, I've got, I think, a unique way of doing it. I don't know if it's uh, something that would work for everybody, but with so many leagues and with so many of the same people playing in those leagues, I find it to be the most efficient. Uh, But basically, I try to find a balance for each person across all leagues. And they might have won money in one league, but they owe money in another. So I just get that one total balance and then present that to them and they can settle up you know, all at one time or, or I can send them their winnings all at one time. Oh, that's, that's a nice way to simplify it. And then the other thing I do, Scott, I don't know if you agree with me, but just handling the money in general is the worst part of being a commissioner. You know, anytime you're holding someone else's money, it's, you know, it's just something you want to be careful about. You want to make sure all your I's are dotted and, and so on. But one thing I do, because it is such a pain to send that money back and forth, if somebody has won money in a league and, and they have committed to staying in that league for the next year, I just go ahead and keep their winnings out. So if if you've won $100 and we're in a $50 league, then I'm going to send you $50, as long as you're good with that. Now, of course, there have been occasions where people have said, you know, go ahead and send me all the money now and, and I'll settle up later. And, and that's fine as well if that's if that's the request. But in general, I just go ahead and collect those fees while I have a chance. And it just cuts a step out of the process. You know, my home league does that. We uh, defer any winnings to the next year, uh, next year's payout, and we only pay out the remaining balance. Uh, it does keep things nice and easy. A lot of my leagues, I say, I pretty much pay, just pay it out, clear the books and start over. But really, it just shows there's, once again, no right way to do it, no wrong way to do it. Yeah, I generally prefer to just clear the books, get everyone paid out. And a lot of times people will tell me, keep it for next year. And I'm more than willing to do that. For guys like us with the amount of leagues we have, the process you do might be might be simpler. It might, it might just be simpler. I, I'm just like you. I spent three hours yesterday, maybe an hour this morning. I'm still not done. I'm still not done going through the end of season you know, emailing all my leagues and letting them know this is another thing I do at the end of my seasons, you know, email them, let them know who won. Here's everyone that placed. 
here's some things that are going to go on early in the offseason that you should be aware of, uh, like upcoming free agent drafts or, hey, remember roster limits starting right now is this. Or, you know, you have to, you have to even though it's in the bylaws, I feel it's just proper to, as a commission, remind of some of the basics of offseason just so people remember. Yeah, I agree. That that end of season email is is important just for those reminders. One thing that changes in most of my leagues is the waiver schedule. Uh, we continue off uh, blind bid waivers throughout the off season, but instead of being processed on Wednesdays before those Thursday games, they're proce- processed on Fridays. It's kind of a end of week thing. Um, so I try to remind everybody about that change as well. And and then yeah, just say congratulations to the to the league champion. They've obviously earned that yeah that's uh (laughs) that is a big deal it feels like i always when i write that email it's it's hard to balance it because when i i write congrats the first line or two is congratulations or whatnot and then i immediately go into the off-season stuff and i i feel like i've kind of shortchanged the winners uh sometimes i've wondered if i should immediately when someone wins you know send out that league email congratulating the winner everyone hey congratulate this guy and then wait a couple of days to send, you know, the the end of season email. But I don't. I combine them. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. <laughs> I think that's probably better than getting, you know, multiple emails. There are people that hate those threads. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay, so we're we start into the off season. Uh, we've got our end of season email. Do your leagues have an off season voting period, or do you just kind of do it when issues come up? For the most part, we do have an off-season voting period. I try to make sure – I try to wait until we have our full okay. league set for the next year. So anybody who might be stepping away, I like to wait until those those open teams are filled just so – you know, we're, obviously we're discussing issues going forward that are gonna, going to affect the, the next years of the league. So I want those owners who are actually going to be playing in the league to, to have a say. Um, so that's not something that we necessarily do immediately. It's, it's usually more of a February or March timeline for rules discussions and, and votes. Okay, so let's take a step back here then to filling your league. If you have inactive owners, I mean, that's an obvious get rid of or or an owner that's leaving. That's an obvious, I have to replace this guy. You do it as quickly as you can so you can start off-season stuff. But do, do you have to have a, a team break a rule to kick them out of a league? Or if they're just a bad owner, are, are you the kind of, kind of commission that is fine just booting someone? I mean, you, you certainly try to avoid that. And mm. I have had to do that before, but it's it is it has been rare. I, I can think of a couple instances where there was a, an owner who was just, you know, so belligerent to the other owners and, and took trash talking and things like that too far. It was, it was pretty obvious that everybody wanted this one individual gone just for, for the sake of the league. So I have had to do that on one or two occasions. But in general, as far as replacing owners at, at this point in the year, it's, it's people who are choosing to step away. You know whether they have too many leagues and they're just trying to narrow those down, or uh, I've had a couple. I think this is actually kind of becoming more popular, which is a little bit scary. But I've had a couple of people tell me they're just retiring from fantasy football. They're mm-hmm. they're not going to play anymore at all. So that that has created some some openings in my leagues that need to be filled. I, I think we mentioned this on the first episode, but if not, I know that we've talked about this on Twitter. If you let us know that you're not coming back. We're appreciative that you let us know that we're we're like okay that's fine we're like I've never been upset by someone wanting to quit 
one of my leagues ever. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm pretty sure you're the same way, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate people letting us know rather than going dead with, with no contact and, and just leaving the commissioner to, you know, to figure out that they're quitting. I don't take offense to it at all. You know, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, if you don't want to be here, then, you know, leaving is, is going to be best for everybody for whatever reason. And sometimes they just don't like that league or, or some of the other issues we already mentioned. Yeah, basically, if you're out there and you're considering quitting leagues, as commissioners, we generally don't mind it at all. Just, just let us know. It's not, it's not going to hurt our feelings. If anything, a lot of the time, you're not happy in the league. You're probably not going to be as active, probably not going to be as trade happy. And new owners, right when you get a new orphan team, are generally pretty trade happy. They're generally pretty active. So it's almost a fresh blood situation, <laughs> fresh blood in the water kind of thing. Definitely don't be afraid to quit a league if you need to cut back because as commissioners, most of the good ones I know are completely fine with it. Right. And to your point there, when somebody comes into the league, it does it does inject some, you know, a certain level of activity. Like you said, I guess it's just that fresh blood in the water that people are going to send trade offers and, and maybe there's that one player on that team that you've been trying to get forever and, and the, the old owner you know, was not willing to trade him. So that kind of gives, gives a ray of hope in situations like that. Yeah, and if you are looking to replace that owner to get that fresh blood, what's, what's probably your best suggestion for finding a replacement owner for your, you know, your average fantasy player? It can be tough for sure. Not only finding someone in general, but finding somebody that's going to, yeah, somebody that's going to be a good fit for the league. So I guess the first thing I do is usually just send out an email to people in my current leagues and just saying, you know, I've got this opening and usually that's, that's a mass email to, to everybody that I play with. But on occasions I've just sent out specific emails to, to one or two people who, either I'd be interested in playing with or or maybe I've seen them mention interest in joining a new league but basically just just reaching out first to people that that you know now if you only play in one or two leagues that limits that obviously just a little bit but there are those those communities that we build as as fantasy owners I think I mentioned this last week so whether your community is twitter and those are the people you interact with or maybe it's on a message board like DLF or football guys or, or something like that. Just reach out to your community. I don't think, I, I don't always take the first person who shows interest. So if I, you know, if I send that mass email and I say I have one opening, if I get multiple responses, then I'm, I am going to pick the person who I think is the best fit, not necessarily first come first serve. That is a huge point that I think a lot of people don't, uh, probably don't follow. They probably take the first person. It took me years to learn that lesson. I'm the same way. I generally say either when I'm trying to fill a league or when I'm uh, trying to find an owner, it's a process for me. I I tell people it's going to be a couple weeks before I even decide. I let those people contact me and you know then I try to figure out which is the best possible owner for the league. It, it's, a, it's a lot better if you choose the best of several candidates than just just taking the first person that shows interest. Yeah, I've seen some people use some type of application for their league. I've seen commissioners ask for references as far as like links to other leagues where wow. you know you can check uh, check activity level or check uh, you know check a record to see does this guy really know what he's talking about. I've never done those things. Um, that's 
I don't know. That's maybe a little bit further than I would take it personally. Again, if you have that community, you know, you kind of know people, you know, if, if they're in general, somebody who's easy to deal with and, you know, just an all around good person, that's going to be a good fit for your league. I hope that filling leagues is the least of people's problems. Filling them with active owners are, uh, you know, that sometimes can be an issue, but uh, filling these shouldn't be hard. If, if you have an orphan team, <laughs> if you have an orphan team and you need it filled and you want some responses, tweet it at me and I'll retweet it for you. I know my fantasy league will retweet it for you as well. Moving on here. Let's say you got your league filled. Now you're ready to start your offseason stuff. What's the first step in your offseason? It's different for different leagues, I would say. But most of the hyperactive leagues, um, you know, like I said earlier, we continue with offseason waivers. So that never really stops. Once we settle into getting the league set as far as the 12 or the 24 owners, whatever it might be for the next year and all the money stuff is handled, then it's just kind of status quo until the rookie draft, really. Do you think it's a good idea to try to inject some kind of rules into a league to make possible activity happen in that period? Or is that just a nice, easy time to decompress after the season a little bit, but uh, also still be doing some fun dynasty stuff? I think it depends on what you want out of it. You know, some leagues, the entire league is is comfortable with stepping away and taking that break. And, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, by all means, do that. Other leagues are the complete opposite. They want that year-round activity. They want something happening each month or every few weeks. And, you know, if that's the case, then something like, you know, some of the leagues that, that we've developed in the past couple of years, Scott, the Kitchen Sink Leagues and the Capitalist Pigs, those are the leagues with contracts and Devi and, and all these different things where there really can be something going on basically every month of the entire year. I completely agree with you. I mean, it really does depend on the league. Some leagues are good. Some leagues are, are not good with that. Almost, it's, a, it's not a downtime, but it feels a little bit like a downtime where you can sit back and reflect on your rosters. But in that time period is generally when the voting occurs because you want to get that voting done before we mentioned on the last podcast, I generally commish at a rate of, you know, probably 70, 75%, something like that. I don't remember what I said last week, but to executive decision. Do you do a lot of bylaw changing, uh, realizing things just aren't working anymore in that time period? Yeah, I'm totally okay with, with switching things up and adding some new wrinkles. And I think that happens more in the earlier years of the league. So, you know, after year one, you kind of reassess yeah. what worked and what didn't and what needs to be added. But like for the hyperactive leagues, for example, those those leagues are seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Everybody's pretty comfortable with, yep. with what's going on. I mean, occasionally someone will suggest a rule change or a scoring change. But even the past two off seasons, we haven't even had any rules discussions just because, uh, you know, I didn't feel they were needed. So I didn't initiate anything. No one else has mentioned anything. And, and we're talking about nearly 100 owners across those different leagues. You know, sometimes once you get deep enough into the league, that's just not necessary anymore. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think, I don't know, maybe it's just the leagues I've run or just, uh, and we're not talking about the uh, leagues like the hyperactive where everybody's gotten comfortable with that. The leagues I've run, I feel like within those first couple of years, like you said, there almost needs to be some changes. A league almost never turns out the exact way you envisioned it right away. After year one, you realize some things aren't working, some things are working. 
I, I generally make changes in those first two years. But also, I have two leagues that are, one is 11 years and the other is nine years. And people do like them still, but I do get a sense there's the activity levels are down. I do get a sense that some people are a little more complacent. How do you feel about a shakeup in a league that late in that started to get complacent? Do you like grab it by its bootstraps and try to make something work? Or is that the point where... That could be a tough spot for sure. I mean, if everyone is happy. They're happy, but they're kind of like, eh, this is just a league. I mean, it's it's enjoyable, but you know. Well, I, I guess what I have kind of come to expect or, or understand is, I mean, if you're looking at owners across a league, every one of them would be unhappy or would change a certain rule if they had the chance. So, I, you know, I think you could find an owner in every, every single league that if they look at their whatever they consider their main league, they would change one rule if they had the choice. Maybe it's a scoring rule or a lineup or something with the waiver calendar. They would have something that they would prefer to change. And when that league is newer, those owners feel like they still have maybe the chance to mold that. So after that first season, they're going to suggest, hey, let's, you know, let's consider this change. And uh, you know, maybe maybe other people are on board with that, maybe not. But the longer the league goes on, it becomes established. And you know, if you're looking at, I mean, think about the the laws of you know a, a city, a state, our country. If you're looking at a, a long established law, in general, people are not going. You know, people are not going to challenge that. That's been around for a hundred years. It's everybody knows that's the law. If it's something newer, there's still going to be some argument. There's still going to be some discussion about maybe changing that that law that rule that's kind of how i see it as the the more the longer that the league goes the less desire for change there's going to be or, or maybe maybe people are just giving up hope that there could be change mm, i i can see that i yeah a couple of the considerations and and i know that there are other leagues having this go on because I, I talk to people that do and we have at least one email that does that yeah you know you get to a point where you feel like you almost need to make something drastic just to because the league has rules that are 10 or 11 years old you know and and everybody's gotten so complacent but maybe it just becomes you know a league that you're in that you enjoy but it's no longer one of your favorite leagues and maybe that's just where that league ranks at that point that sounds so dreadful. <laughs> but. Well, I mean, and, and Scott, this is why we get ourselves in trouble with starting crazy new leagues every offseason. And this is why some dynasty owners get themselves in trouble by joining one or two or three new leagues every offseason. Because we are looking for that, you know, that new fresh, fresh start or that new idea, something we haven't tried before. Or even maybe it's just even a new team, you know, different right. players that I've never had on my roster. You know, that complacency can get you in trouble come August and September when it's time to manage 20 different rosters. Or, you know, I've, I've already quit a couple of leagues uh, Bravo. Since, <laughs> since, the season, uh, since the season ended. And, you know, I know you said as a commissioner that, that you don't mind that, and, and I don't really either. But I still mind it as an owner. You know, I mean, I hate I hate leaving that open team. I hate because I know the job that the commissioner has to do. I know he has yep. to go go find a good owner like we were talking about earlier. And and I hate to do that. Fortunately, the both the teams I walked away from, I think, are uh, are good teams. They both made the playoffs this year. Uh, so, 
you know, I think I'm leaving something to work with. Certainly it was just, it was just too much to manage for me. Both of those leagues did have some unique rules that make them intriguing. They're a Devi league or an auction league. Those, those are different things that can spice up a league and, and they have in the past, but at this point I just had to step away. Good for you, because I've, I've always had trouble quitting leagues. I, I've talked about this before, but I, I quit 35 leagues down to six over a four-year period, and it just feels so much better. But you do, feel, you do feel a little bad every time you do, but hopefully you've left some pieces for the new guy that he can trade. In one league, I, uh, <laughs> I left a team that was the third highest scoring team, had a ton of amazing pieces, and the guy came in and traded nearly every piece away and finished almost last in the league. (laughs) It just, it almost makes you cry to watch something you built. So I would recommend if you leave a good team, try not to check in on it because it might, it might make you cry a little bit. (laughs) Okay. So we do want to answer listener emails because like I said, we have 15 listener emails, but, but let me, uh, let me tackle Stuart Scott from Scotland. He's got a couple questions for us. The first one is, what do you guys consider an acceptable reason to boot someone from a league? Uh, We kind of started talking about this, but I figured we'd go deeper here. Let's say someone is just a giant ass in the league chat, but a very active owner when it comes to lineups, trades, waivers, and such. Is that a good enough reason? Would, Would it make the league better or worse to boot someone that is just a jerk personally in the league, but he's active on every other front? I guess on this one, I would kind of try to get the pulse of the league. There's certainly been occasions in the past where I've been offended or I've been upset, but then I've come to realize other people didn't take it that way or, you know, I was I was kind of alone in that opinion. In that case, it becomes a more of a personal thing, and I don't think I would get rid of them just because of that reason. Now, if everybody's on board, like the situation I, I described earlier where I had had conversations with other people in the league and, and knew I had support, then yeah, I think get rid of that person. We're all doing this for fun. Yes, we you know we want to try to make some money, but this is a hobby for us. This is supposed to be fun and, and a good pastime. And a guy like that treating other people poorly is, is just going to cause stress and, and ill will that, that nobody needs. So yeah, dump them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If you feel like you should boot him, that's almost the tipping point where you probably should. If you're already starting to feel like you should, at least for me, like Ryan, I'd get the pulse of the league. But if you can tell that he's making the league less fun for you, there are probably people in the league that aren't speaking up that feel the same way. I have no problem booting people like that. (laughs) Now, how you boot a person like that is a little more difficult. I've heard so many ways from the email, we're moving on with the league without you and not responding back to them if they're a jerk. I I have definitely seen make the 2017 league. Don't include that guy's email, his email address, nothing on the 2017 league. And and just, you know, if he emails, just it's over. Uh, It's uh, it works. And I'm not going to dog someone for doing something like that. If, if that guy was already really, really difficult to handle, just want to avoid yourself that stress. Booting someone's never fun. Is there any way? I, I just generally am an email guy. Uh, how, do, how do you go about it? Yeah, same. I just uh, send them that email and you know, pretty much say, at this point, I think it's better if we move on 
with the league without you. And depending on the timing, I, I might offer a refund for the league dues and that's it. I go in and change that email so they no longer have access to the league and, and that's the end of it. You know, I'm not going to engage in any kind of email battle at that point. I'm just going to consider that the end of it and be done. I, I think that's a big point that I wonder if that causes more stress and drama than people realize uh, I'm the same way. And I think that's a really important thing is to not engage in like an argument over it, to just kind of let it roll off your back. Because in a year or two, it like so many things in the dynasty landscape, it's, it'll just become a blip. It'll be a thing that happened and it's over and it doesn't matter anymore. So I wouldn't bother getting into a big argument. Uh, might as well answer his other two questions here. Is it ever acceptable to run a league without a playoff structure, more like European soccer? And I'm assuming they do mean just like your regular set lineups every week league, not a best ball league. Just you run it 16 weeks, top points wins. I can imagine you're pro- I'm not a fan of, of that, but I don't think there's anything wrong as long as all the owners are okay. What, what do you say, Ryan? Yeah, that that would be exactly what I would say. I've never done that with the league, but I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I love uh, obviously I love trying new things in leagues, new rules and new wrinkles that can change things up a little bit. It's probably not something I would try, but uh, like Scott said, if if everybody is on board with it, then sure there's there's nothing wrong with it. See, I'm such a I'm such a <laughs> I'm such a crazy rule thinker upper guy. So I'm just sitting here thinking that's that's not even a thing. A rule thinker upper guy. That's wow. <laughs> it's your official, <laughs> official title. It's my official title. Okay. Um, so as as you were answering that, and I was thinking about it for a second, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what I would do if I wanted to run a league like that. I would make it, I would, I would have, you know, you'd have a payout structure for the person who wins that 16 team, that 16 week season, the first, second, third, I'm assuming you're going by total points. I, I would assume I, I don't know what you're doing for, you know, how the standings are set, whether it be win loss, total points, all play, whatever. But if I'm not running playoffs, I would definitely throw a progressive pod in there and say, if it's total points, who has the most points over the course of two years? Who has the most points over the course of three years? Maybe have small pots for each of those things if you're just going to do no playoffs in a total point league. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just thinking as, as far as these kind of new rules and, and different ways to do things from the norm, we've both done our fair share of those. But when I come up with something like that or when I decide to, to borrow or steal a rule from somebody else like that, I want I want to have a why. You know, I want to have a reason to do that, to implement that rule into the league, not just doing something different just to be different. But, um, you know, what does that rule bring to the league or what's the reasoning for that? So in, in Stewart's league, if he values, you know, if they value total points as, as kind of the end game and whoever can put up the most points is the best team, then that makes sense to do, you know, to do that format. And this guy did say he's from Scotland. So, uh, you know, there are probably a lot of soccer fans that he plays fantasy football with. And this is probably, you know, a setting that they're used to with uh, one of the sports that they watch routinely. So 
I can imagine they want to bring a little of that to their fantasy football league. And that's that's the only assumption I could make because it's not really a system I would do. But like we both said, teach their own. I would definitely have who was the most tom- dominant team over three years. It would be kind of, if you're doing total points, it would be kind of fun to have something for that. He does have a third question here. I'm well underway planning a new paid dynasty league where the buy-in will be paid by monthly subscription. Not just like you don't pay 50 bucks and, and you're in. It's a monthly subscription because it's a year-round dynasty league. Uh, he's keen to hear our thoughts on that structure and, and any potential problems you see with that. Yeah, I see a lot of problems with that, honestly. <laughs> As I said earlier, collecting the money and paying out the money is, is the, the worst part of being a commissioner, really just dealing with money at all. So to bring that on yourself each month is is not something that I would want to do. Also, the other thing is if you're breaking down that, you know, significant buy-in, whatever that might be, 50, 100, 200, whatever it might be, and you're dividing that over 12 months, it's going to be much easier for somebody just to bail. They get through that first month and they're 0 and 3 or 0 and 4, and they're not going to pay any more money. They're, They're just quitting the league right there. And now you have a bad team with no owner and a spot to fill potentially mid-season. So if you're considering a unique rule, a unique setting like that, I would want to know, or I would I would consider the why. I'm sure Stuart has a good reason for that. I don't think he mentioned that in the email. I would love to hear his reasoning on why he's considering that. But based on what comes to my mind, I would, I would definitely not do that. I'm struggling to think exactly what you said, reasons why you would do this. I can think of it like you just said, Someone does not, you don't have incentive to play it out if you're only paying, say, five bucks a month. If you're paying, or even 10 bucks a month to be in a league, some of those off season months, there's nothing going on. In season, what if your team's terrible? At end of the season, what if you're thinking about quitting anyway and you decide to quit? And you, as a commissioner, you have to find someone with three weeks to go in the season. Or, or maybe you're just setting lineups. Yeah, I just, I don't see it as a good idea. I like that he is trying to think of something new and he's, you know, being creative with his league. I just don't, I don't see this as a very good option. What do you think? Let's just, this isn't in the email, but what about you pay the season fee and in the off season you pay a monthly fee? I, I don't even think that's a good option. I'm just spitballing, but I'm trying to, I can't think of any positives to that either or why, why you would be doing that either. But uh, yeah, I really would love to hear Stuart's thinking behind that because I should email him back and ask, ask him. Yeah. I mean, I'm always open to new, you know, to new wrinkles, to new things that we can do, but this one does not seem like <laughs> very many positives. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can't, they can't all be winners. I've, I've had my fair share of ideas over the years that definitely, definitely did not work. Oh yeah, for sure. I, Me too. I, I tried to pay out in pigs where we already have money running constantly because the bankroll rolls over and there's prizes for everything. I made so many things that you can win prizes for. And every time a player went on IR or got arrested or anything this year, I was getting emails. Hey, give me 10 bucks. Hey, give me 10 bucks. When you get like three, four, five of those a week, every week, you realize quickly, it's a fun idea. It's a hellishly terrible idea as well. <laughs> Yeah, anything like that that you have to monitor, you know, almost constantly. 
which would go along with the paying monthly you'd have to monitor yeah, constantly yeah, so exactly anything that's not automated yeah that's well not uh, not necessarily automated but anything that requires a lot more attention than just from you as a commissioner you already have enough to do well that is uh that is the second episode of commission impossible i hope you enjoyed it we uh we plan on doing an episode or two every month we might even just pour through some Twitter questions and mailbag questions for a full episode at some time. I think we're going to do a full episode on commissioner 101 tips, like starting a new league. What if you're a new commissioner? That kind of stuff coming up. But please email us at commishpod at gmail.com if you have any stories or questions. We'd love to hear them. Twitter, I believe we're at Commish Podcast. Ryan is at RyanMC23. I am at ScottFish24. And I think that's it. Uh, thanks for listening.